That was an elite clap. Have you been practicing? No. <laughs> Hello and welcome, ladies and gents, to the Denalysis Fantasy Football Podcast. We are back. I'm your host, Dan, and as always, I'm joined by Natalie. We're back for you to review Game Week 13 for your listening pleasure. First of all, we'd like to apologise if you've missed us the past few weeks. We've been, we've been busy living our lives and doing things, this and that. But, you know, we decided we've got to give the people what, what they want. We've got to come back. We've got to deliver an excellent podcast, possibly the best podcast you've ever listened to. Maybe the people didn't want this. Maybe, <laughs> but if we, if we say with enough confidence and authority that they did want this, I feel like we can at least make it slightly believable. Okay. Okay, so we're going to go with that. That's got to be the approach that I'm taking, certainly. But yeah, we are we are back. Natalie, how's your how's your fantasy football life been going in the interim? So at the end of game week nine, I was ranked two and a half million. I'm yeah. now inside the top four hundred thousand. Oh, that's I'm so proud of you. Thanks. <laughs> I wish I could say the same for myself. And the, uh, the 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 secret to my success is don't use your wild card. Is that it? Yeah, that's literally it. <laughs> Well, I guess I would stand uh, as, a, as an example of exactly what you just said, because I used my wild card and I went from about 400,000 to now I'm at 2.31 million. I think I've had my first green arrow in about four weeks this week. Um, it's not gone well. I pretty much blame Bournemouth for everything so much so that I took a rage minus eight last week I didn't even need to I didn't even play all of the four players that I brought in but sometimes I feel you just have to take back control from those who are taking away from you and that was how I felt about King and Wilson I just had to even though I could have used my just my two free transfers I wanted to make it really sting so they knew how much they hurt me. And yeah, I actually ended up having a kind of okay score this week, despite still not having Vardy. And I, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. Maybe I will bring him in eventually, but I just, I just don't want to, unfortunately. Is Vardy it? I, to you is what Salah was to you two seasons ago. I, I think the, the pattern is that there is always at least one of these guys in a season I'm just like nope I don't want them I don't care if they're getting all the points I hate them and I think this has maybe been uh exacerbated by the particular conundrum that Arsenal have found themselves in and it would be very easy for me to switch Aubameyang to Vardy but for some reason I keep believing I keep looking at those fixtures and I think no Aubameyang can be my captain it's, it's all gonna come good it's all gonna be fine um and it doesn't seem that that's the way it is but he's got one more week Aubameyang's got one more week against Norwich away from home to prove himself and after that maybe maybe Vardy we'll see we'll see how Vardy does against Everton but anyway um let's get into game week 13 and the happenings of this week so the obviously the big sort of headline story in the Premier League this week has been Jose Mourinho and Kind of the, the surprise sacking of Pochettino, although he had basically gone to shit for Spurs. Even though the players still seemed to love him, it, it just wasn't working. So they brought in Jose Mourinho and all of a sudden they win a game away from home, which I think he made a point of. Uh, I think the last one was like... I think it was like 14 away games ago. Yeah, yeah. So it was a real long time, essentially. And uh, he made a big point of it. 
it was against West Ham, and I think there is an element of tempering to to do because they. The real hot take here is that Roberto is possibly a worse goalkeeper than Rob Green. He's yeah. I mean, he has to be potentially the worst Premier League goalkeeper of all time. He's he's up there. He's definitely worse than Joe Hart. I think that's a, a fair assessment. Joe Hart, also, we shouldn't forget, did have a number of good seasons before he turned into modern era Joe Hart. That was before my time. And maybe so, but even, yeah, even Joe Hart at his worst was better than this. And it's just, it's kind of remarkable how, I think there's one point in the game where Diop had the ball sort of halfway to the halfway line. So he was not in a great position to be sort of pressed in possession and he had a clear a clear um sight of the goalkeeper could have just kicked it back to him and instead he decided to try and hold on to the ball and just get tackled leaving himself obviously completely out of the game and it's I think that speaks volumes about how much confidence the players have in him because they would rather give the ball away in a dangerous area while they're completely out of position than just trust the goalkeeper um but that was obviously part of the problem for the first goal that Spurs scored via Hyungmin Son, who's seemingly going to be back to his best under Mourinho, and he's currently at 9.7. And I think from my perspective, what is particularly intriguing about Spurs assets at the moment is they play Bournemouth at home next, and traditionally against Bournemouth, Spurs have had a bit of a fun time, scored many goals. So what do you think about Son and maybe to a slightly lesser extent, Ali and Kane? I want absolutely nothing to do with it. Hmm. I don't like it. I just don't like Spurs players. Look, I don't like Spurs players. I don't like United players. And I don't like Arsenal players. I don't like it. There's too much risk and not enough reward. Hmm. Yeah, so I guess if you're in my position, maybe you see this a little bit differently because I've taken a minus four to bring Ali in. <laughs> I'm, I'm on a mad one. Why? Um, because... Because he kept the ball in that one time. I thought his performance was fantastic. At 8.4... You hate Ali. I hate Ali. That's the hilarious thing. I can't stand the guy and here I am bringing him in for a minus four so that they uh, hoping he can get a load of goals against Bournemouth I mean I think the Mourinho factor I don't know if it's going to be good long term but there's certainly a feeling around him that he's sort of adapted his methods he spent some time out of the game and he feels he has to kind of prove himself a, a little bit and there are certain players that I think are going to benefit from this a lot. I think Christian Eriksen is out in the cold. He's going to have nothing to do with this. But there was some interesting tactical stuff I read up today on um, on Spurs' performance and just how... I think Aurier was actually one of the most impressive. Ugh. Because the, the thing that was happening was, although Spurs were playing like a... Um, what was their formation? It was like a 4-2-3-1 or something. But what was actually happening was they were playing basically five front players and Aurier was playing really, really high up, putting in lots of crosses. And obviously that was what led to the third, the third goal. Um, but it seemed like Mourinho did have a plan for how he wanted to use those players. And the amount of space Ali was finding himself in, the amount of chances he was creating, it all just looked like that typical new manager bounce thing, but also... With a manager who's maybe slightly better than the the average um, new manager bounce uh, 
employee, <laughs> whatever, the, the average new manager. So I do think Son and Ali are two players that are going to benefit greatly from him. I'm not entirely sure about the defence. I mean, I think they've got good players there. I think Aurier is just the most compelling one because of how attacking he was. But I always tend to think, you know, with defenders, you still want that chance of a clean sheet. And when you've got guys like Lundstrom in the game and, and Sheffield United's fixtures are pretty decent, I think they're probably not the team to take a gamble on. Um, but Son, certainly, he looked really, really electric. It was basically Roberto's fault that he scored. But I just think these are players we've got to see a different side to them. And if you want a differential early on, for you've got one transfer to make this week and maybe you've got a bit of cash spare or maybe you want to get rid of the underperforming Sterling or something like that, I think that Son or Ali could be really, really good picks. Not so sure about Harry Kane at the moment, but the next four they have Bournemouth, Man United, Burnley and Wolves. And I think it's that Bournemouth fixture is the one to target and maybe get a nice differential captain. Um, but it will be really interesting to see how they go. I'm not overly convinced that Mourinho is a good manager in the long term, but he's certainly going to make an impact for now. And the fact that he's playing United after that as well, and he obviously has history... He's nothing if not petty, so he's going to try really, really hard to win that game and really make a point uh, to Man United. So there are two sort of decent-looking fixtures there. And I think if they can keep up this... I guess it came at a perfect time, right? They played West Ham when West Ham were at their lowest ebb and got three early... Not three early goals, but three goals reasonably early in the game and could kind of sit back and relax after that. And I think they showed some of their weaknesses that have been on show for a long time by conceding two goals against a West Ham side that, if we're being honest, did not look like they wanted to be on the pitch at all. Um, They still conceded two goals to them. So there has to be cause for concern in the defence, but I think attacking-wise, there was certainly a new lease of life to, to some of these players, and they looked to be playing with more freedom. So I think it's a good one to, to take a chance on. If you have one transfer and you want to get a big potential boost this week. It could go horribly wrong, but you know, this is this is what we're here for. We take those take those risks when something big changes and you never know what might happen. Um another team who I maybe see some change on the horizon for Boyd's by the mighty charity FC this weekend could be Southampton. And you've picked out Danny Ings who's been pretty consistent over the over the last few games despite playing in a team that has lost the game 9-0 in recent memory I don't know how he does it Danny Ings but just like you put him in in the bigger games because you know he'll score yeah. I was like well obviously I'm going to play Ings this week because he definitely will score and then he definitely scored and also he would have had an assist as well if Ward Prowse had actually scored the penalty that he was gifted hmm so yeah, I rate it. But and I was looking at Ward Prowse and also Redmond as well because the Southampton fixtures are all right. I think that's the key point. Back to back home games against fellow strugglers. I mean, it's what they're in nineteenth place. They're playing twentieth place and eighteenth place at home back to back. Those are big opportunities for Southampton, and I think. They will have some more confidence considering the way they played against Arsenal. And they were, by a distance, the better team and should have won that game about 15 times over. So 
I can understand why their manager was very disappointed at the end of the match that they they didn't take their chances. And I think that's maybe just a a symptom of where they're at confidence-wise at the moment. They're not always making the right decision in attack. And I think could rewind to, I remember watching a Friday night game earlier in the season against Bournemouth. I think they lost 3-1. And in that game, like they had so much of the ball. They were in such good positions constantly, but they just did nothing with it. They make the wrong decisions in, in key moments. And that's what they need to turn around. But Danny Ings seems to be the one player who's kind of not really susceptible to that and seems to just continue scoring anyway. And and like you say, won the penalty for uh, James Ward-Prowse to mess up. So at 6 million, he's certainly a a good potential option and a good differential for the next few games. I'd also like to echo uh, Redmond and Ward-Prowse. I mean, Ward-Prowse, I don't think he's the right player for for Hasenhutl's system, but he is a set piece taker, and he's very good at at doing that. Apart from the penalty, he of is course, a set piece taker. He is he the is the set piece taker. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He takes pretty much all of them. And um, if you like a more risky shout, I know that Gineppo's just come back, and he mm. came off the bench. Should have scored at least twice. Um, missed two, the one that Willett cleared off the line and missed one that was, he was yards out and I just don't know how he put it off target. But he is one of those players that I think Nathan Redmond is a, a sure starter, but Gineppo, when he plays, he just looks electric every time. And at 5.2, I mean, he's a, a fun differential. It's just, you probably don't, you're really taking a gamble there because I don't know if he's going to start or certainly don't know if he's going to start immediately but for that Norwich game he's kind of one of the guys I've got on my list for a potential like one week punt just to to get some fun some fun points on the board if um if he's looking like a starter obviously defense is not the place to look for Southampton but they do they do look to maybe be telling the corner I think this result should give them some confidence so they're a good team to look at um also other good teams who score goals what and look good in an attack. Uh, Wolves, they've, they've really, really improved lately. They've started getting wins. And Jimenez and Traore seem to be flourishing at the helm. I haven't made many transfers in the time we've been off. I think I genuinely think I've made three, maybe four. But in this time, I did get Traore in. And I'm very happy about it. He's a great guy. I, I actually love him a lot. Really? Um, I just got him because we like him. Yeah, <laughs> but he does seem to be genuinely improving and something that um, was pointed out to me recently is like every every interview he does, every time he's talking about this season for him, he's always talking about how he's improving and learning. Aww. And I, it seems kind of dumb and cliche, but like that is kind of the one thing that he really needed because he's always had this brilliant technical ability and this amazing physicality but like Mm. just hasn't seemed to have a brain and it seems like Nuno Espirito Santo as his manager has just I feel like he's giving him really specific instructions and it's really getting the best out of him to the point where him and Jimenez are starting to develop this partnership and he's he's found a way to play and be effective rather than be the Traore of of yesteryear where he's amazing to watch but so frustrating because it never comes to anything and um I think we've seen Jimenez benefiting a lot from that as well because he's 
what I think he's got something like six goals in the last seven or something. He's been really consistent. I didn't realize how good him and his stats were. Hmm. And um, and he he looks he looks really impressive. I mean, especially that's what you look out for, right? You want these partnerships. So I'm just looking at his performances now. So he had the two assists against Man City. Didn't score, but finished on ten points. A goal against Southampton. Nothing against Newcastle. A goal against Arsenal. A goal against Villa, and a goal against Bournemouth. And picked up a lot of bonus points in that time as well. So I'm looking at him and I'm looking at the fixtures that they've got coming up. And the only question for me is, like, there are a lot of good strikers on on offer at the moment. So the question for me is just, do I maybe look at the midfield instead or do I look at Vardy instead? But there are fixtures coming up. So let me see what they've got. Um, Sheffield United next at home, which I think is a tough one. But... After that is West Ham. And I think Fabianski is out till what? Like December? No, till January. Till January. So I think it's a viable strategy. And we've definitely been here before. But it feels like this is the realist version of this strategy. Where it's just load up on the players playing against West Ham. if If they're good strikers or good attackers. Because this goalkeeper... He he looks like he's going to cry every time the camera cuts to him. They've got they've got surely they've got to put like the third keeper in. Surely. I think so because I was saying to you the other day like it feels genuinely inhumane that they keep playing him. He is that bad and he looks that depressed and that miserable. And that's not nice to see even even when you love to see like a big cricket score, right? It's always good fun when something crazy happens in football. It just feels mean and unfair and but, like I say, if he continues in goal, like there has to be that has to be a decent strategy, right? like West Ham have just got their defense is bad anyway like I, I was watching the I was watching this game um against Spurs and just thinking West Ham have no hope because they literally cannot let a shot happen or not let Spurs get anywhere near the goal because if they do it's just guaranteed to end in a goal and that just creates all kinds of panic and worry and there's there's no way that's sustainable um but I certainly think Wolves' fixtures after that as well it's Brighton away Spurs at home and then Norwich away those three are all fixtures that I'd expect them to do well in and at least at least get a goal in probably all of them, really. It, it remains to be seen how Jose is going to do with that Spurs defence, but I'd feel pretty confident, especially with Wolves' record against the, the top six sides anyway. So, um, yeah, Wolves looking very, very tidy at the moment and well-priced, which is always the key. Mm, yes. Hmm. Um, so should we move on to my favourite team? Yes. Who are currently smashing it second in the league. It's uh it's the Vardy and Chilwell boys. Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> They're actually good now. Yeah, okay. I will concede that Leicester are now good. Um but I have had Vardy since day one this season, so I think really everybody should be thanking me. Hmm. Yeah. Because That's... you knew Yeah. Before it was cool. Well, yeah. And the well, people not... just didn't believe. Yeah, 
I'd say so. I'd say that's a fair assessment of the situation. I did only just get Chilwell in for the game week that's just passed, but I think that's okay. I seem to be getting defenders in to just play well one game week and then I <laughs> I rotate them and get a new one in. Yeah. Um, it, it'd be like that sometimes. Mm. It feels like the defensive situation at the moment is basically you can only play three defenders and it would be better to just play one or two. Like that's that's what I really want. Well, to be what the I really situation want is to be able to play two goalkeepers. Oh yeah, because Heaton and Pope just absolutely smashing it. Annoying, isn't it? Um, it is pretty annoying when that happens. But hey, I think they got the same points in the end. Maybe uh, uh, Pope on I nine. I think Heaton's on one or two less. But yeah, yeah. yeah so it's, you made the right choice ultimately. But uh, Chilwell has. I mean, Vardy. Do we really need to talk about him? No, he was. He I was... just thought it was fair to mention it, but considering we haven't done a podcast in a month. I thought we might as well mention that he's been happening. Yeah, and he was sensational in the game against Brighton. Although, I was a bit annoyed about the VAR thing, where he missed the penalty and Madison scored, and then it was a retake. And I was like, ah, God, I thought I'd gotten away with it. Um, but his his importance to that team, and it uh, I, that's kind of the problem I'm facing at the moment. Like, he's the only player that's... I think absolutely worth getting based on what my team currently is because I'd have to get rid of like an expensive defender who I want to keep to get someone like Chilwell in. And I think he is the standout option in the defense for me because he's just, he's come on leaps and bounds this season. I, I don't know what Rogers has done, but like he creates chances constantly. He's bombing forward. He looks so confident and I'd say he's right up there with Robertson, um, probably being the the best or second best left back in the league. And yeah, I did not see that coming at all. I think he's better than Pereira. I think he's more involved in the game than Pereira. He took a a set piece at the weekend. I think he probably took more than one. I'm just picking out (laughs) one in particular where he set up Vardy and Vardy, uh, I think it was a good save by Matt Ryan in the end, but like he just does everything. And he performs well in the bonus points because he's so active in the game, making lots of interceptions, making tackles, putting crosses in. Whereas I think Pereira's kind of a little bit more of a, a little bit more of a direct um, sort of runs at goal rather than runs like down the flanks. Um, although he does do a bit of that, but I think that Chilwell is a, a proper sort of wing, you know, wing boy. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the technical term for it. He's a wing boy, and he's well good. And he's what, like five eight, five point eight price. Uh, I don't know 5. how tall he is. Five point nine, I think. He five point nine now. Okay, uh, and then Soyuncu, he's he's gone up in price. He's obviously very good, but he doesn't get himself in as many attacking positions. But he's the one that I know a lot of people have right now. So it's probably, you know, you don't need to do the sideways move. But but Chilwa, I have been really really impressed with, and yeah, we'll we'll see on Vardy. I feel like this Everton game at the weekend could be a test because this is kind of what happens. Yeah, because this is kind of what Silva does, right? Like he gets into this point where he's like the worst manager in the league and then he goes on a run of like beating very good teams and then he goes to shit again and everyone remembers why they hated him. Like it's kind of been his pattern for the last year. Like I think he, um, I remember him beating Arsenal and I think it was Chelsea and Arsenal back to back last season. Uh, we were sort of laughing at Chelsea the week before and then we go to Goodison Park, uh, Goodison Park, 
Goodison Park and get absolutely hammered by them. I think I think the result was only one nil or two nil, but like they were the better team by a mile, as seems to be a pattern with Arsenal. But uh yeah, I, I do have a feeling about that. That's not gotta be quite so cut and dried. But that said, Leicester's form has been incredible and you can tell they're riding super high confidence wise. Um, another legend in the in the FPL of this season, Mane. He keeps on going from strength to strength, and I think he's he's the main man at, at Liverpool right now. Well, I meant to do some research into Salah's injury, but I forgot. Hmm. It seems to be one that has been plaguing him for a little while, and I feel like this season has been there's been a, a shift, and Mane, despite not having the best underlying numbers in terms of like the amount of chances he gets like he's the guy who's been getting all the important goals and he's been such an important player for them it's it's kind of crazy how how good he's been anyone who does own Salah lucked out this weekend because he was about to come on Hmm. but then Liverpool scored and they were like nah yeah (laughs) I, I missed that actually I didn't see that he was on the sideline ready to come on um and then in the end, they swapped him and Gomez came on instead. Yeah, so I see. So that was lucky. Well, that, that was lucky if you had someone on the bench who got more than one point. Well, yeah. So for me, it was lucky. Is this, is this finally my pre-season prediction come into fruition that the Liverpool strikers would get injured? I mean, yes and no. <laughs> do I get it's, to take credit for this? It's only one of them. So I don't know if you do. But my situation is, right, that... So now Mane and Salah are both 12.2. I didn't even know Mane had gone up that much. Yeah. Salah is now the differential because yeah. Mane has ownership of like 40% and Salah has ownership of like 23%. Hmm. And I'm like, I've got to stick with Salah because... I don't know. I think Mane no is... Demon- I don't really want Mane. I don't want to do the sideways because it'll. I think it'll only end in tears. Oh, right. So you don't have Mane as well. You just have no. Salah. I've got nah. Sterling. Uh, yeah, so I've just been off Sterling for no, Mane. No, 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 no. <laughs> Sterling stays. Because I don't think Sterling's actually been playing particularly badly. It was outrageous, the goal that was disallowed this weekend. That was an upsetting state of affairs. So yes, I'm keeping them both is, is my situation. Yeah. I'm not okay. saying everyone else should keep them both. It's just what I'm doing. If I needed to free up some money, I'd obviously downgrade Sterling to KDB, but... I just don't really like KDB, so don't want to do it. No, no, I still, I maintain that Sterling is a better option than KDB. Thank you. Especially over this this period. Like, look at KDB's goal he got at the weekend. Like, his performance level has not been anywhere near what it was at the start of the season. Sterling has been performing fantastically well. He just keeps getting goals ruled out or, or keeps missing quite easy chances. But the reality is, at some point, that's going to be like a 20-point game. And you're going to be glad you own him. So I wouldn't be too worried about Sterling. And I I do think he's the kind of guy who could hit some really good form. I'm just not really sure about City's next few fixtures. I think they need to to sort their shit out a little bit. But yeah, it's an interesting one. I hadn't really thought about it that way. Like if I owned Salah and not Mane, it would be hard to say that I would switch. Because I don't... What I do know about Salah is when he does play he gets so many chances and he muffs a lot of them up, but 
it's one of those where it's kind of uncomfortable watching him. Whereas because I haven't owned Salah at all this season, I don't really feel any sort of attachment to him or like need to need to go to bat for him. But yeah, I think it is different if you already own him. Just a point on like Sterling and City and the the City Chelsea game. Did you see that game? No. No. Um, I just wanted to make a, a few quick points on it because I thought Chelsea they kind of looked a bit naive at times and like they I didn't watch the full thing because I was having like a full disclosure having a wild house party and got really really crunk at the at the same time but like um I thought that Chelsea created some amazing chances and Willian looks absolutely phenomenal at the moment he was fantastic in the in the previous game week um I think he got like a bunch of bonus points after just getting an assist but he looks in sensational form and Chelsea are playing West Ham next so need I say more um him and Pulisic are my so that's the other player I brought in this week Pulisic but I think those guys could be really good captaincy options this week and especially Willian being a, a differential to the likes of Mount and Abraham um who Mount obviously found himself on the bench as well. But it was interesting because it was like Chelsea went up and they had some really, really good chances early on. I think a lot of them actually fell to Willian. He he put one wide. And then che- uh, City got this kind of lucky goal. And it seemed that Chelsea kind of lost their heads a little bit. And there were long stretches of the game that just kind of went by. And City were controlling it without actually having a lot of possession, just with their... A sort of positioning on the pitch but um I thought their their performance considering where we thought Chelsea might be at the start of the season was really commendable because even though they didn't uh, there were long spells of the game where they couldn't really make much happen they created so many chances in the end and yeah I'm just a bit gutted that Chelsea are the team that are looking good at the moment and not my team but it's it's got to be fun I think the fact that they're playing West Ham next that could be an absolute goal fest. And yeah, certainly a good place to look for your captain. Um, City, on the other hand, I do think they've dropped off a little bit in their performance levels and they have, what, Newcastle away next. So that's obviously a good fixture. That's Burnley, then Man United, then Arsenal, then Leicester, then Wolves and Sheffield United after that as well. And all of those fixtures look like... I feel like all those teams, apart from maybe Arsenal, funnily enough could cause problems for Man City. Yeah. And I have, before the season, I obviously predicted them to win the league. But I just feel like, yeah, because you said Liverpool, I said City, because I thought City were going to continue this sort of relentless performance machine madness. But, like, they haven't. Like, they look very vulnerable at the back, especially without Laporte. But they don't... I don't think they're as good an attack this season either I think Sterling has really sort of raised his game a bit but the team as a whole it just looks to be declining slightly to me and I think they look like a kind of team that can be beaten by these mid-table sort of Burnley and and Wolves and Sheffield United teams I think are going to cause them a lot of problems and um, especially the way that that Burnley and Sheffield United have been playing at the moment like these these are not easy games at all and they're very good at very good at controlling games in the way that they want to like they don't necessarily have 70 percent possession but they are good at keeping the score low and good at scoring from set pieces and 
well, Sheffield United scoring from open play as well. Like Musse scored an insane goal at the weekend. So I would be a little bit concerned about City. Obviously, if you've got Sterling, he's the kind of player you'd want to keep for this weekend. And Jesus comes on the scene now because Aguero's out injured for a few weeks. So there's a good sort of differential potential there. Maybe that even increases the potential of Sterling, actually, because I think one thing that Jesus does is he makes a lot of unselfish runs off the ball. But I don't know. There's just something that doesn't seem quite right about them at the moment. And I would feel very comfortable with having no Man City players in my team. Hey, guess what? I have no Man City players in my team. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that's my little Man City bit. So, you know, glad glad you got to hear that. Okay, now onto the bit that I really care about. Chris Woods, a.k.a. Goal Machine, six goals in six games, playing Crystal Palace at home next, then Man City at home after that, Spurs away, Newcastle home, Bournemouth away. See, these to me, maybe I've just got my, like, Sean Dyche-tinted glasses on, but these all look like winnable games for Burnley somehow. I don't don't agree. (laughs) Go on, then. Tell me why. Um... Ain't nothing but a heartbreak. Heartache. Ain't oh. nothing but a mistake. Tell me why. I, I know this because I said <laughs> I want it that way. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Um, yeah, six and six. Burnley look amazing on set pieces. And <laughs> where's my boy McNeil? What's he been up to? So he's been a little bit unfortunate, actually. He was one of the players I brought in on my minus eight and obviously walked away with three points this week. But he is so important to their set-piece goals because he's the guy taking most of the set-pieces. But the the one that Wood scored at the weekend was he put the ball in and then it was Tarkovsky who won the uh, won the ball and put it across to, to Wood. So really, you know, he got the pre-assist. Mm. But I feel like that's... I got that was who I got rid of actually for Pulisic because I was like you know what I don't know if I feel comfortable about having the guy who gets the goals from Burnley and the guy who assists the goals because it's too much of a too much of a double up for a team that don't score like a ton of goals but I do think that their set pieces at the moment are are on fleek and uh they they just seem really confident. I mean, there are a bunch of teams that just seem very, very confident and are getting consistent results at the moment. And Burnley are one of them. At 6.2 is a great price. Crystal Palace, what do we know about Palace this season? They've conceded a hell of a load from set pieces, even two against Arsenal and should have been three if it wasn't for VAR. Um, and that's where Burnley are getting a lot of their goals at the moment. And Burnley's home form is pretty decent. And Crystal Palace and Man City in their next two, City missing Laporte at the back. I don't feel like that game is as terrifying as it it might have been earlier in the season. Spurs, I still don't really know what to expect from that. That's away from home. But then Newcastle at home after that and Bournemouth away. Like those two look good as well. So even if I get through City and Spurs with two points from Wood, that's not the end of the world for me because I think his consistency has been really good and his price is really good. It's just a question of, you know, are you missing out on, on someone better at that point? But, uh, I don't know. So you don't like it. Is it, what is it? The fixtures or? I I don't know. I guess I haven't really been thinking about Burnley from an attacking standpoint. Hmm. I've just been worrying about them defensively because I have Pope. Yeah. I've just been worrying about them defensively and I've, 
don't like the City and Spurs fixtures because I don't think they'll keep clean sheets in those. Yeah. You know, that's hard to predict. That's like one of those things where if they have a, a fantastic game, they could do, they could even win those games. But I only say that because I think those teams aren't as unbeatable as they have been in the past. Yeah, I agree. But I don't know. I'm still, a, I'm still not confident about it's, it. Yeah, that, that's it, right? Like maybe it's a bit of a gamble. <sighs> yeah, I'm trying to look at the other fixtures. Like who else has good fixtures in that week? Like when they play City, Southampton have Norwich, uh, Sheffield United have Newcastle, Chelsea have Villa. So there are other teams that have like decent-ish fixtures. I don't, it depends really on the structure of your front three. If you, if you have three three strikers you're starting every week and if you're happy with them but I certainly think Wood is a guy who's been flying under the radar at the moment and another guy who has been flying under the radar who you mentioned earlier is Musse um yeah. currently at 5.0 so he has picked up a knock he scored a banger of a goal against United and he's um one of the players I brought in on my minus my strong minus eight and actually returned much like Chris Wood And it was a lovely goal. And I think he is a player that is just really thriving under Chris Wilder. And Sheffield United in general just look incredible. They're scoring goals, they're they're keeping clean sheets, and they're just completely baffling everyone with how good they are, considering how few big-name players they have. And uh, John Fleck, I think his name's John Fleck, at 4.8 could be a good fifth-mid option. I think what makes these two stand out particularly is their fixture run. They play Wolves, yeah. Wolves away next, which, you know, is a tough game. But I think these are two teams who are on comparable form and at a comparable level at the moment. Then after that, it's Newcastle at home, Norwich away, Villa at home, Brighton away. And that is a real nice run. And uh, I could certainly see them picking up a, a lot of points from there, uh, particularly Mousse if he's, if he's back and fit. I think even if Musa is out for like this weekend, he's worth keeping around yeah. for the fixtures that follow. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's the, the ones you want him for are Newcastle at home, Norwich away, Villa at home. Like the Wolves one is the one where you probably think about benching him. Yeah. Um, or, or maybe think about benching him, not probably. Yeah. But his, I, I mean, I saw, um, I was just watching Match of the Day the previous uh, week before the international break and he had so many chances in that game and just looked like a, a player that was not a player that's going to get you one goal a game because that's where I'd maybe look at Chris Wood and be like would well, Burnley create enough like they aren't a team that that create a whole host of chances um, although he has been known to score a few braces I think Sheffield United, on the other hand, he's kind of added a new dimension to them. And I didn't even know there was a player this good in him. So it's just a great example of someone thriving under a under a good manager, a good coach who knows how to get the best out of players and, and knows how to get the best out of his system. It's really exciting. I, I This is kind of the thing that excites me about football. Like when you see a team that you don't expect to be so good and they just constantly surprise you. And I'm really interested to see how long they can keep it up for. But yeah, they've been fantastic. Um, okay, so that's all I had on game week 13. Obviously, there's there are a lot of other teams that played, but they're all quite bad. We just watched uh, Villa play Newcastle and <laughs> Miguel Almiron is still terrible. It's so sad. It's so sad. I don't know sad. how he gets in the team every week. It's mad. It's just genuinely amazing. Like... 
even when he gets himself in a great position, all he has to do is just touch the ball like a normal human. He just misses it or like slows down and overruns it. And you're like, oh, I, I don't... I don't understand how you can keep being this bad. Like, surely just by the law of averages, it has to change at some point. Like, you have to score a goal, but... 22 appearances without a goal or assist. Yeah, 23 now, because... Oh, yeah. <laughs> said today. Commentary. yeah. So, it's it's really bad, but, you know, it is what it is. And I think, just a quick mention for Arsenal, because, you know, it's customary... Stay away from their players uh, forevermore because it will only be bad things unless they sack the manager. If they sack Emery this week, go to town, bring Ozil in, bring Aubameyang in because these fixtures we have, Norwich and then Brighton and then West Ham. Oh my God, they should be so good. We should have so many goals with Aubameyang and Lacazette and Pepe and all these good freaking players. But because of our shitty manager, nothing's going to happen. We've just got to sit back and defend for 90 minutes and maybe get a lucky goal. So... I, I genuinely feel that if um, if Emery stays on for the weekend, we will lose to Norwich. I would not be surprised at all if that happens because they can get a good atmosphere at home. They'll be feeling confident after a win against... Who did they just beat? Uh, Everton. Everton. And they play... The sad thing is they play the kind of football that Arsenal want to play and they are Norwich, like a small club who have ju- just been promoted and they can play out from the back better than Arsenal can. And they look more confident, even though they're in this dreadful run of form. So I do, I do seriously worry about Arsenal if they persist with this coach. And it's making the football season very unfun for me as an Arsenal fan. But there are other things to excite me. And as I say, I'm keeping Aubameyang for one more week. But it's really, it's really hurting me at the moment in a big way. One thing I do know is I won't be captaining him. So, should we have a little look at our analysis domestically? It's been a been a little while. Yes, but for once, I finally kept track for all the weeks we haven't been here. All right. Firstly, I'd like to say thank you to Jet Site. I'd searched for a solid five minutes to try and find your actual name on the internet, but I couldn't. Yeah. Um. But thank you for your review, your Apple review. It was very nice. We appreciate it. Thank you very much, lads. Assuming you're a lad. So anyway, recently, game week eleven. We had a new man, a new man in at number one, David McKenzie. He was top of the league that week. And our top scorer that week was Simon Davidson. Davidson with two S's, so David's son. <laughs> David's son, Davidson. okay. Okay. It's important. I'm sure that mistake gets made often with his name. Yes. Uh, he had 97 points. Then Absolute he gave week 12. David McKenzie was still top. But it was a three-way tie (laughs) for top scorer that week, all with 90 points. Rolf Holmberg, Rick Edwards and Mark Williams. Congrats to all three of you. Wait a minute, Rick Edwards? Wasn't that the name of the guy who, the really fat guy who won X Factor? (laughs) What? No. Rick, I think, no, Rick Edwards was that presenter on Channel 4. Oh, yeah. Who is the Rick? It, It wasn't Rick with a... Rick Waller. Rick Waller. That was the one I'm thinking of. Oh, God, Rick Waller. Do you reckon this is the Rick Edwards of T4 fame? You know, that'd be mad if it was. I don't think it is, but maybe we can find out. (laughs) Rick Edwards, if this is you from Channel 4, (laughs) please let us know. Um, But congratulations to all of you guys getting good scores in game week 12. This game week, hold on a second. This game week, we have a new number one. It's Kieran Weekly. But our top scorer 
with 87 points is Alex Watson. Nice. Congratulations. Nice. Um, pretty much everybody in the top maybe 30 players this week in our league. Captain Vardy. Yeah. Bar three who Captain Mane and one who Captain <laughs> Everyone and, else Captain Vardy. And that's why it's bad not to own him. But hey, I'll, I will die on this hill and I don't care. Just looking at Kieran's team right now. No, um, only one Sheffield United player and he's, he's flying. Oh, and big up James Ellis, who I know from real life, who's also up to second place in the league. Oh. Absolute king. How do you know this man? Uh, from work. Used to be in the, the old office I was in. Uh, but he was asking about the podcast recently and I was like, yeah, we'll probably do one this week. So here's to you, James. Yeah, very good. Anyway, let's move on. What we, what we got up next? Game week preview. Game week yeah. 14. So we got a quick, a quick turnaround here because you got uh, midweek games after this. And they're the ones that are all on Amazon Prime. Do you see this? Yeah, no, I knew, uh, yeah, it's like the third, the third to the fifth, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I have Prime at the moment, which is fine. Um, apart from, uh, I was like, oh, Charlie, it'd be good because I've actually got Prime for the moment and he hasn't, so, and we won't be together because it's the week. Yeah. Uh, so he won't be able to watch them lot. <laughs> Sad times. <laughs> it's amazing. It's all of the games on, t- oh, my mind is blown. Like, this is such yes, a... but it's pointless because... No one's at home. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm out on the Thursday night. I've got a crisp, someone else's, some label that I've never heard of who apparently I work with. Listen. Their, their Christmas party. <laughs> Hopefully the drinks are free. Yeah, that's what you really need. Well, I'm sure I can find a way to be boring and watch as many of these matches as possible. I mean, Tuesday, you've got a 7.30 match and an 8.15 match. So you can what watch the first half. Like? You can watch the first half of Palace Bournemouth and then flick over to Burnley Man City. I could even go to Selhurst Park and then be back in time for yeah. like the second half of the Burnley Man City. And it's a similar thing on the Wednesday as well, but obviously you just got a lot more games played at, at 7.30. Um, I think this is cool. Okay, so what are we going to do? If we were to record... I, I mean, Sunday is the only day that it makes sense. No, let's do... Yeah, no, if we do Sunday. That's what we did before, right? Yeah. We did the Sunday and then we previewed the midweek and the weekend. As I said, the beginning of this long segment, it's got to be a quick turnaround. So even if you do shit in game week 14, like we all probably will, um, it'll probably be like, I don't know, Villa will be the, the top scoring team or something. Um you got a quick turnaround so you can get your, your players in on Tuesday. And if you're from the UK like us, you can watch every single match, which is amazing. I mean, I don't know how many listeners we have from the US or what it's like in... I know we have quite a few guys from Oz, but like, I, I don't know what the, the Premier League coverage is like over there. Can you watch every match in, in Australia? I don't know. I'd love to know if anyone could tell us because... Hamish, tell us. It's, it sucks. It absolutely sucks. Like... It's very hard to talk about all the football when the only coverage you really get are the TV games and then match of the day where they... When I watch games in, uh, like, full 90-minute games and then watch the match of the day highlights package, they just look completely different. Like, they yeah. cut out so many key bits and you're like, what? And I understand they have to fit into a certain time frame, but 
they it almost feels that they can sometimes present a game in a different way to how it how it actually was when you see yeah. it because they're just taking the highlights. Um anyway, game week 14. So I guess the point is that this is the point in the season where you need to be you need to have like a working functioning bench. Hmm. At least I think that's the that's the hottest take here. Yeah. At least at the absolute least having one player that can come in but really you probably need two because I think especially players that run around a lot, so the likes of the fullbacks at Liverpool, you know, like these guys who are prone to picking up injuries because they do so much uh, so much athletic work, you might want to watch out for them. Um, and I think guys like Pulisic uh, and Willian, actually, who, who we mentioned earlier, they're good guys to look at because they didn't actually play a lot of the start of the season. So those guys are presumably a little bit more fresh than some of the players who, um, who've been playing since day one. So game week 14, early kickoff, Newcastle, Man City. Um, I don't know. A Man City got a fashion? Probably not. I don't think they will. I think it'll be a fun game. I have literally no thoughts on this. Yeah, it's quite a weird one. Usually I go into this thinking, oh God, Man City playing Newcastle. Like this is going to be 5-6-0. Like it's going to be great. Instead, yeah. I'm looking at it, I'm thinking this match could be really boring. It could be like a lot of City just passing it around in front of the defence and Newcastle. Maybe the Longstaff brothers will be back, back in, in action to, I don't know, steal the headlines again. But yeah, I wouldn't feel... Do you have any City players? You have Sterling. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. I I think I'd feel most comfortable with a defensive player from City in this one because Newcastle, even though I'm fairly sure they tend to score one against City, it comes from very few attempts. And watching them against Villa tonight, they had no ideas whatsoever. So I'd feel fairly comfortable if I had a City defender. But who has City defenders apart from maybe Edison? Um, I, I, I guess you're not looking at Sterling for captain. No, no, me either. It it feels. I guess the fact is twelve thirty as well. It's away from home. Like St James's Park can always be quite lively in in these big games, and Newcastle like to turn up for the TV games. So, yeah, I'm very unsure about that one. Then we got a bunch of three PMs. We got Burnley versus Palace, which looks like a tasty little clash Chelsea versus West Ham and that's my captaincy shout Liverpool versus Brighton which is another good one actually I think for for Mane and and depending on whether Salah's fit or not he could be a good pick uh Spurs versus Bournemouth actually another one all three of those playing at home and all have viable captaincy options this is one of those weeks that actually feels quite good where it's like oh yeah like there's no there's no obvious pick I mean what are are you feeling any of these games for, for captaincy? I've got my vice on Salah, but I could be tempted to switch my vice to Tammy. Yeah. Uh, who's your... Oh, okay, you've got Vardy, right? That's going to yes. be your captain. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Understandable. I mean, he's got a ridiculous form at the moment. Um, yeah, I mean, as someone who doesn't own Vardy, I'm obviously... I'm not going to be captain to him. So all these games look really enticing. And I think for me, it has to be Chelsea. I'm going, yeah. I'm going for what my eyes are seeing rather than what points returns have happened lately. And I think Pulisic has been almost as good as Willian, 
But I think Willian's performances have not always gotten the points that his performances have deserved. And I feel that this game against West Ham is going to be real fill your boots situation for, for Chelsea, especially with just how good they look in attack. It's it's ridiculous. But Abraham, I kind of feel like there's been a bit of a drop off in his performance recently, but he's still like, he was the one who created the chance early on for, for Willian and he still looks confident. So he, he could be an equally good shout as well. Um, and then Pulisic, if you, if you own him or if you're looking at him because he has maybe shown himself to be a bit more of a goal scorer than we maybe thought he might be uh, Liverpool, Brighton, yeah, I thought, what did you think of the, um, I assume you saw the highlights for Leicester Brighton? Negative. I was asleep. Okay. It was quite interesting, actually, because Vardy was really, really good. Um, but Brighton were basically their own worst enemies. Like, they got caught out by just mm-hmm. having too many players forward. And Vardy, about three times, was just running clean through on goal. The amount of times they messed it up, like, with a, a two-on-one, where, like, Vardy would pass it, and, like, Perez would fall over the ball, like, three or four times, just trying to shoot. And then I think Madison did the same thing, where he just missed the ball in his first touch and ended up running away from goal. But it was a weird one, because Brighton the times when they were in most control of the game were the times when they ended up conceding goals because they just got absolutely killed on the counter by Vardy. Mm. Um, I really didn't rate the idea of Brighton this game week again hmm. uh, without Dunk. Yeah. Like, that was kind of my thing of... That's why I kept, I kept in Vardy because yeah. I was like, I just don't think that Brighton without Dunk is the same Brighton. They really looked like old sort of Wenger Arsenal to me in that they would put loads of men forward and just get caught out by like two or three easy passes. And I think the the second goal, I can't remember if the penalty was the first or second goal, but certainly... What, it was the second. Right. So the first goal, it was quite funny. There was one player who obviously like tried to cut out a long through ball but like he fell over and it was like a a fake pass or something and then when the actual pass came through he was just like flailing on the floor like a magic up trying to get his (laughs) his leg behind his head to clear it it was pretty funny but it was also like oh god like you can't do that against Vardy it's just it's basically football suicide but they did it and I, I kind of appreciate that they were positive in their game plan they did create a few chances and they just got torn apart by a side who are really quite, usually quite clinical, but actually missed a lot of chances in this game or, or fluffed their lines. But this could certainly, this is a long-winded way of saying, Liverpool have Mane, he's very fast, he might get in behind a lot if they're countering. And if Brighton are going to play that open again on the on the counter-attack, then they are going to get punished big time, which makes Mane and Salah quite compelling captaincy options too. Um Obviously, we spoke about Spurs and Bournemouth. That's a great one to look for if you're looking for a differential, if you're really buying into this sort of Jose factor. And I think there was a certain improvement. And probably the more pertinent thing is that Bournemouth have just been awful lately and look a mess defensively again and don't really seem to create chances. So I wouldn't see... Jose or Spurs being too fearful of them creating a load of chances. And then later on, you have Southampton versus Watford, which actually looks like a really fun game. And, uh, you know, 
19th versus 20th, it should be a good competitive game. And uh, I don't know, it could be, could be more entertaining than you think it could be. Um, maybe, maybe a little punt on a Southampton boy in that game. I still have Jan Matt, actually. I think he missed out <laughs> injured this yeah, week. Yeah, he's injured. He's still injured now. It's annoying because I'm like, ah, I kind of feel like Southampton will win this, but it would be fun to play Jan Matt again. Because I would not play Jan Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I've currently got Tierney, though, and it's like, that's not going well for me. So, mm. uh, so yeah, speaking of Tierney, early kickoff on the Sunday. There are two, actually. There's Norwich versus Arsenal, which is a TV game over here, and Wolves against Sheffield United. We spoke about both of these earlier. Um, I mean, no captaincy options here for me. I would have considered Aubameyang prior to this weekend, but I'm just not, I'm not hurting myself like that. There's no need. Um, I said to a friend earlier that either Arsenal win 5-0 or they get beaten. And if I'm being honest, the 5-0 thing is just what my heart wants. It's not going to happen. This is probably going to be a boring game. Norwich are probably going to win it. Um, Arsenal are going to be terrible. We're going to have the same conversations about whether or not we should sack our manager next week. And it will continue until the board finally say, you know what? You didn't win any of those easy games against shit teams. I guess we should sack you in time for playing checks notes Man City this week. So um, we got all that to look forward to, you guys. And later on at 4.30, we have Leicester versus Everton and Man United versus Villa. And of course, the last game of the weekend. That's why you're, you're Captain Invardi, isn't it? Yep. Getting that sweet Sunday 4.30 fixture. Yeah, I'm not sure about this one. I obviously explained briefly earlier, Everton... I think they do like to to put in big performances in big games, but then I can't deny how good Leicester have been. Um, Earlier on in the season, I do think they were quite poor and they were a bit lucky on a few occasions, but they're doing the things that you need to do to win games. They're just controlling games and they're, they're smart as well. Like the way that they played against Brighton, they had a lot of possession, but also Brighton had possession in good areas and they just basically used it against them by by countering them loads and being better at finishing at the end of the day Uh, and then United versus Villa at the same time I don't know how I feel about about that I can't I can't really place United at the moment I didn't see the um, Sheffield United Man United game because I was dreadfully hungover Uh, basically didn't move for the entire day couldn't get out of bed do you see any of the highlights of this or we watched the last maybe 15 minutes of it. Yeah. What was it like? Were Man United good? Were, were she- uh, no. No. Because uh, what I got from it from my friends was that Sheffield United were the better team, but like United just got really, really lucky. And I'm like, mm, I don't know. He is a Liverpool fan, so he would say that. But like, Yeah, and to be fair, like Sheffield didn't have Henderson. Hmm. So I wonder if the result would have been slightly different. If yeah, it did I think at least one of the United goals seemed a bit like oh, Henderson might have done more to prevent that going in. Yeah, and I guess it's like you were saying earlier, um, Arsenal, Man United, and Spurs. Like, I think Arsenal, Man United, particularly considering the recent changes at Spurs, are teams that are just such risks right now because on paper they have good players, but in reality they just don't play well. Um, I I think United have some decent underlying numbers, but I'm not really sure. Like it doesn't really tally with what you see when you watch them play. They don't seem to create an awful lot. 
and it's just a, a hard one to to go to bat for at the moment and kind of similar with Aston Villa I thought their performance against Newcastle today was really really good but their fixtures are not kind <laughs> Grealish yeah. Grealish was amazing but um I don't know if I'd be going for him when there are so many good options available. So that's game week 14. And then you got obviously game week 15 to follow shortly after, which we'll hopefully do a pod for. Right. Um, what have I got next? Clean sheet cup. Woo-hoo! Yes. Yeah. Um, so game week 11 was the last time we did. A, well, was the last was where we left us. Yeah. Uh, neither of us scored a point then. Suckers. Game week 12, we forgot to do it. Whoops. Yep. Um, this game week, however, you said... Burnley. And I wanted to say Burnley, but you went first because you were losing. So I actually wanted to say Burnley-Watford 0-0. Um, but anyway, you got a point. I said Everton because I didn't believe in Norwich and did not get a point. Thus, I get to go first this week. And this week, I'm saying Burnley. <laughs> Uh, of course you are I'm a little bit worried about Palace actually I've been looking at my um, because I've got Henderson and Pope and Henderson is away against Wolves Pope is at home against Burnley Uh, uh, against Burnley? against uh, Palace oh right yeah Uh, and it's quite hard to choose between them because I think both Wolves and Palace are really quite good I think maybe Palace are slightly less good at scoring but then I also feel like Sheffield United are slightly better at defending than Burnley are. So it's, no, it's hard to say. No, no. Well, I don't agree. Their record would bear it out. I think they, well, maybe not after the three goals against United. I don't know where that puts them. But certainly their goals conceded was one of the lowest in the league. Um, okay. <laughs> Arsenal, lol. Okay, I think I'm going to say it's either Chelsea or Liverpool. Oh, no. Oh, no, I can't say Spurs. They'll, they'll bottle it and concede one at some point. You definitely can't say yeah. Spurs. The thing is, I saw this um, article a few months ago that was like, expect a few more 2-1s from Liverpool this uh, in the Christmas periods. And it was like a statistical analysis. If I'm being honest, I didn't understand a lot of it. But the, the general point of it was like, the way they are playing is going to lead to a lot more 2-1s. And they've won like... Their last, the, the last three games they won have been like 2-1, 2-1, 3-1. And uh, I think they drew 1-1 against United. It's scary how accurate that was. Um, or how that seems to be coming to fruition. But I think I'm going to say Liverpool because I feel like West Ham, shit as they are, they can still score goals when they panic at the end and bring Antonio on. And Chelsea's defence is not quite perfect, even though they are going to probably smash West Ham. I think Liverpool will make light work of Brighton. So that's what cool. I'm saying. Right. Um, is that all? Yep. Cool. Okay, well, it's been a pleasure, guys. Thank you for listening if you've gotten this far. And you can do a bunch of things if you want to, you know, hang out and, and appreciate your boys and gal. Um, you can rate us on iTunes, which is now Apple Podcasts, or what, depending on whether you've updated your phone or whatever, yada, yada. Uh, you can rate us five stars. That's the only thing we accept, um, despite previous utterances of, <laughs> of difference. Uh, that would be really appreciated. <laughs> that would be really appreciated, obviously, you know, if we have loads of good reviews. Maybe more people will discover our podcast and we can 
you know do it good and stuff um also you can review if you feel that way inclined like jetsite did this week which is much appreciate appreciated thank you jetsite um you can follow us on twitter at the denalysis pretty pretty easy as long as you can spell and you can also email us at hello at the if you have any questions you'd like us to answer on our next podcast but until next week guys i've been dan she's been nat and goodbye i guess <laughs> wow cool <laughs> bye